is that really in the Bible? You live in a world where everyone has an opinion about the Bible. Of what values are your beliefs if they are not clearly found in the pages of your Bible? The question we must ask is, are your opinions and beliefs really found in the Bible? Well, hello, I'm David Freeman with Is That Really in the Bible? Question, how many fools do you have for friends? You know, I guess down through history or down through our lives or our life, we, we've had, we've befriended fools from time to time. Hopefully not many. But let me ask you another question. Have you ever been a fool? Uh, well, chances are you're not going to admit that. But uh, <laughs> someone once said, you cannot read the Proverbs, the book of Proverbs, without being called a fool. And, you know, sometimes the biggest fool is the man or the woman looking back at you in the mirror. So when I ask, well, have you ever been a fool? We're going to let the Bible answer that question today by looking at the book of Proverbs. So let's go to it. Proverbs 7 and verse 22. Talking about the loose woman here, the loose woman. It says, he goes after her straightway as an ox goes to the slaughter or as a fool to the correction of the stocks. Now, the, again, this is talking about what the fool will do. He goes after the loose woman. And, you know, it was, it was interesting in the, in the news several years ago, there were all kinds of incidents where teachers seducing young boys, their students. I don't know if you remember that. Probably still occurs today also. You're just not hearing about it. But it, it's, it's interesting because, so, but what I'm saying is the man that chases after women for the sole purpose of genital bonding, the Bible calls that person a fool. Again, he goes after her straightway as an ox goes to the slaughter. I mean, that's some kind of imagery there. The, the, the dumb ox doesn't know that he's about to be killed. But that's, that's the mentality. That's the mentality. So my question is, have you ever been a fool? Proverbs 10 and verse 23. It is a sport to, do a, to, do, to a fool to do mischief. But a man of understanding has wisdom. Now notice this. It's like a sport. It's like a good time sport to the fool to do stupid things. You know, we used to have some guys that worked with us, young teenage boys, and we had to get rid of them because they were so foolish. They would just do dumb things. And, you know, maybe that's just a part of being a young man. I don't know. But I think it has a lot to do with discipline and how you're brought up. But I remember one occasion, they, were, they, were, they had this big, huge fireworks, one of these Roman candles with about 20 different missiles that go up, you know, a really round thing like that. And they set it on the coffee table inside the house, inside the trailer. And they were both pretending to light the fuse. I say pretending. Uh, well, the fuse lit. And the whole thing blew up in the house. I mean, <laughs> if you can imagine that. Uh, but, but what I'm saying is, doing wrong is fun to a fool. Doing stupid things is often fun to a fool. So my question is, have you ever been a fool? 
Uh, you can't read the book of Proverbs without being called a fool. Proverbs 12 and verse 15. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes. Now this one, we're probably all guilty of being a fool in this area. Because, you know, we all want to be right. And we have to be careful about insisting on, you know, I'm right and you're wrong. You know, we, okay, this says the way of a fool is right in his own eyes. You see, this is what makes a fool a fool. He cannot be corrected because he's always right in his own mind. So what about you? Have you ever been a fool? Proverbs 12 and verse 16. A fool's wrath is presently known. How do you identify a fool? Guy always, or a woman, always blowing up in anger. Always blowing up in anger. And, you know, and these people, you want to stay away. You want to distance yourself from these people. You don't want to hang out with them. You don't want to befriend them because you just can't trust them. You never know when they're going to blow up. I mean, again, what do you think of the person who is always blowing up in anger? You avoid those people like the plague. A fool's wrath is presently known. How is it known? Because he's always blowing up. All right. Proverbs 15 and verse 5. A fool despises his father's instruction. What are we talking about here? We're talking about children who don't listen to their parents. Okay. They won't accept their parents' instruction. They won't accept their parents' wisdom. The Bible calls these children fools. A fool despises his father's instruction. Proverbs 17 and verse 16. Wherefore is there a price in the hand of a fool to get wisdom, seeing he has no heart to it? Now this is a powerful proverb that really applies to a lot of young students today going to college. You know, they go to college and they spend, well, they spend their parents' money, don't they? Yeah, their parents spend 30, 40, 50, 60, 80,000 dollars to send their kid to college. And when they get out, they're not any, any better than they were when they went in. You know, they, don't, they can't get a job or they get a job at McDonald's or whatever. But the whole fee tuition was wasted. And this verse says, why is there a price in the hand of a fool? Why does a fool pay to get wisdom seeing he has no heart for it? You know, he's more concerned about or she's more concerned about getting drunk than learning at a college. Okay, the Bible calls this person a fool. My question is, have you ever been a fool? Proverbs 17, verse 28. Even a fool, when he holds his peace, is counted wise. And he that shutteth his lips is esteemed a man of understanding. You know, this is, this is funny right here because you can be in the presence of the biggest fool on earth. And if he will just keep his mouth shut, he will be perceived as a wise man. All right. Proverbs 18, verse 2. A fool has no delight in understanding. Now this one is, again, interesting. No desire for continued education. You ever met people that they just, far as learning, they just don't do it anymore. They don't read books. They don't read magazines. They don't listen to CDs. They don't, they don't get themselves educated. A lot of religious people don't do that either as far as learning from the Word of God. They just don't get educated. You know, a fool has no delight in understanding. No desire for continued education. 
Proverbs 20 and verse 3. It is an honor for a man to cease from strife, but every fool will be meddling. Now, the word meddling, you know, to meddle in someone else's business. You ever met people like that? They just, they just, they can't keep their nose out of other people's businesses. And they stir up strife. You know, they just stir the bucket. They just stir it up, stir it up, stir it up. And they love a big ruckus going on. A lot of dysfunctional family systems are like that. They just love it when a stink is going on. They just love it when somebody, you know, Billy Bob got thrown in jail. Billy Bob got a DUI. You know, Susie got knocked up or whatever. And they just they just love it and they talk about it and they're meddling and they're in, in, in each other's business constantly and they're angry and mad and upset at each other. It is an honor, it is an honor for a man to cease from strife, but every fool will be meddling. So have you ever meddled in someone else's business? Hopefully not. Okay, Proverbs 26 and verse 4. Answer not a fool according to his folly, lest you be also likened to him. Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own conceit. Now, this is not a contradiction of Scripture here. This is actually, you got to know what this is talking about in order to do it. First of all, answer not a fool according to his folly. There are times when you just don't answer because answering would make you look as foolish as the person you're answering. you got to use wisdom here. you got to know when to answer when not to answer. When to answer a fool, when not to answer a fool. Now, on the other hand, this verse says, answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own conceit. There is a time when you need to answer the fool because if you don't, he will go away thinking that he's smart. Okay? So answer not a fool according to his folly or answer a fool according to his folly. You got to know the difference between the two, when to answer, when not to answer. Takes discernment, takes wisdom, Got to know the person you're dealing with also. There's a time when you answer and you both end up act looking like fools, but there's another time when you need to answer so that he doesn't walk away thinking he's really smart. All right. Proverbs 29 and verse 11. A fool utters all of his mind, but a wise man keeps it in until afterwards. You know, I know a lot of people like to talk and but this tells us a fool just will tell you everything about himself. He just utters all of his mind. He can't keep his mouth shut. And he can't quit talking about himself. You ever met people like that? Men, women, oh yeah. They just utter all their mind and they just can't, they can't shut it up. It's like a ratchet jaw of the South. They just cannot shut it down. They can't quit talking about themselves, what they're doing, where they're going. Me, 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 me. You know, there's a song, country western song. I want to talk about me, what I like, what I want, what to see, you know. And, okay, a fool utters all of his mind. I'm asking, have you ever been a fool? Now, so this is a true statement. You cannot read the book of Proverbs without being called a fool. Now, I want to look at today the biggest fool of all. Yes, the biggest fool of all. It's found in Psalms 14 and verse 1. Psalms 14 and verse 1. It says, The fool has said in his heart, There is no God. Now, why would a fool say this? 
There is no God. Did you know the Bible answers this question? Let's take a look at it. Romans 1 and verse 26. For this cause God gave them up to a vile affection, for even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meet. Well, now what was the cause of for this perverted sexual appetite. Well, again, Romans 1 and verse 28 says, And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to this reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. In other words, because they didn't think it was important to have God in their knowledge. Now, why didn't they think it was important to have God in their knowledge? Well, maybe they didn't like the way God works. You know, people sometimes begin to study certain things about God, and they just don't like the way God works. Like, from the beginning, God created them male and female. Some people don't like that, you know. This is the way God created, you know, you've got to look at creation if you want to get things straight. Well, from the beginning, God created them male and female. And so God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. Well, what things were not convenient? Well, men with men, women with women, engaged in sexual activity. So now we have a motive for why the fool would say there is no God. People don't just out of the blue say, I don't believe in God. You know that, don't you? There's always a motive. People always have a motive for the reason they believe the way they believe. All right? What's your motive for what you believe? Just a question. Now, we're talking about the fool who has said there is no God. All right. The fool has said there is no God. Now, I want to switch gears a little bit and look at one of God's creation. It's called the woodpecker. All right. The woodpecker has X-shaped feet. Two toes facing forward, two toes facing backwards which enables it to move up and down the tree and around the tree all, all at the same time. Now, most birds have three toes in the front and one in the back. The woodpecker is a little bit different. The woodpecker has stiff yet elastic tail feathers. Now, the tail feathers serve like a tripod where it can prop himself up against the tree as it moves up and down and around the tree. That's the purpose of these stiff, tail, yet elastic tail feathers. The strength of the beak, let's talk about that for a moment. It hammers wood at a rate of 16 times per second. Get that, that's 16 times per second. That's 1,000 blows per minute, twice as fast as a submachine gun. It has a bone reinforced and cartilage padded skull. The head travels the speed, twice the speed of a discharged bullet. Okay, when that hit, when you, you know how the sound of those things are. When you're out in the woods and you hear that, bop, 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 bop. okay, that's a woodpecker. All right. All right, at this speed, now, now, now the head travels twice the speed of a discharged bullet. At this speed, any slight whiplash rotation of the head during drilling would tear away the bird's brain on impact. Now, 
to prevent this, superbly, and I do mean superbly, coordinated neck muscles keep the head in perfect alignment during the, the impact of this bird. The head and the beak thus drives back and forward with no side motion at all. This is critical. Okay. Now, most birds have their bill fused directly to the bone of the cranium. Now, this bird, the woodpecker, is physically separated from its beak by a remarkable sponge-like cartilage. And it, this separation with this cartilage serves as a shock absorber because of the banging and the beating of this and the drilling that these birds do. And it's better than any shock absorber man has ever made. Its nostrils are covered by a fine wiry feather to prevent the entering of sawdust. All right, a lot of sawdust in there and it has this fiery, this, this fine wiry feather that covers the nostrils so to, 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 not to prevent the airflow that it needs when drilling. Uh, its tongue, the woodpecker's tongue, can stretch three to five times its normal length. The tongue has glue secretion glands, which is, enables it to pick out bugs from the holes that it drills. Now, evolutionists would have you believe that it took millions of years to develop this bird. It took a million years to develop the feet, two toes forward, two toes backwards. It took another million years to develop the tail feather, which serves as like a tripod up against that tree. It took another million years to develop the long tongue that it needs. But here's the thing with the woodpecker. Nothing works until everything works. It all has to work at the same time, you see. What's my point? My point is, the fool has said, there is no God. That's my point. Romans 1 verse 20. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. So what's my point? My point is the fool doesn't have an excuse for not believing in God. All you got to do is study creation. In fact, I want to challenge you. All you got to do is study one thing. Just take one thing, just like we took the woodpecker here, and we studied one of God's creation. That's all you got to do. Just study the tree. Study a blade of grass. Study the moon, the hydrologic cycle, photosynthesis. Study, you know, the power of the sun. Just take one thing, one animal, one plant life, whatever it may, and really study it if you want to prove the existence of God. As this verse says, for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world, it's all been there from the beginning, are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that all people are without excuse. Now, I want to take you into the future. And this is when... This is on into the future. This is after the uh, Christ returns, the thousand-year reign of Jesus Christ on this earth, and then the second resurrection where all those who never had a chance for salvation is going to be given their first chance for salvation. And then after, during this time, 
the Bible speaks of an event that's going to happen. Jeremiah 31 and verse 33. But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their inward parts and write it in their hearts and will be their God and they shall be my people. And they shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me. In other words, no more fools. From the least of them unto the greatest of them, says the Lord, I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sins no more. You know, those who have denied the existence of God are going to be taught ultimately true knowledge, true education. And not only that, God says, I'm going to forgive you of your sins. I'm going to forgive you of your foolishness. I'm going to forgive you of all those who have denied my existence. You know, when you think about that, the future is really bright. The future, the coming utopia, which is something I want to offer you here, um, because this reveals when there will be no more fools living in the world. We've all played the fool before as I began on this program. We've all done that. I've been there. You've been there. We've all been there. But God forgives Okay, but the future of what's coming, you know, we need some, we need a message of hope. We need a message uh, because, you know, things you think, okay, how bad can things get in this world? Well, it can get pretty bad and it's going to get worse. But the coming utopia, why has man's effort failed? You know, we're not going to solve the problems of this world. You do know that. It's going to take the return of Jesus Christ to this earth. And that's what this publication is about, the coming utopia. Paradise on earth. Christ is coming to this earth to set up his kingdom on this earth. And you need to have this publication. I'll send it to you free of charge. I won't charge you anything. I won't sell your name to a mailing list or anything like that. You can order it, or if you're watching this online, you can click the link at the bottom of the YouTube video. And you can actually upload or download this publication and read it for yourself. The Coming Utopia. You know, Christ promised, I will return. And it's, it's one of the greatest because without that, you don't have a lot of hope in your life. Without knowing the answers to this world's dilemma and problems. That God is going to set his government up on this earth. And it's going to overcome and overtake our form of government, which has never really worked very well for long periods of time. I would say the USA has the best form of government, although we're about to give that up with socialism. But uh, and many changes in our constitution where we no longer listen or abide by our constitution. Yeah, bad times are coming. But if you want encouragement, if you want something to give you hope, you need to order this piece of material. The coming utopia about the soon coming government of God on this earth. I'm David Freeman with Is That Really in the Bible? And I'll see you next time. Man has the intellectual capacity to design spaceships to take him to the moon and back, to invent the computer, and to do other marvelous exploits in the physical, material realm. Yet during man's nearly 6,000 years on earth, he has proved that he cannot solve his problems with fellow men. Through the ages, man has tried to bring about a utopian paradise by every conceivable means.
yet without success. He has attempted to live by every imaginable type of government. He has even tried living without any government at all. Absolute anarchy. All of them have failed miserably. Why has this been so? Jesus Christ is going to return to set up his kingdom on this earth. And right now, God is in the process of training future leaders that will teach true education. But what is true education? Find out by ordering The Coming Utopia. In this publication, you will learn of God's system for re-educating society. Order by writing to Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. That's Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. This program has been paid for by the tithes and offerings of the Church of God Rocky Mount and friends of this ministry. If you have been challenged by listening to this program, then consider that a great blessing. You can visit us on the web at isthatreallyinthebible.net. It is the support of people like you that make this ministry possible. If you have been blessed by this understanding given to you today, then consider making a donation by writing to Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. That's Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. For more information, check us out online at isthatreallyinthebible.net. Listen to the podcast, watch the weekly program, worship with us on our weekly Sabbath service, and be sure to visit our free bookstore. Again, the website is isthatreallyinthebible.net.